Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the organ wails and our lungs fill and some of us sing, oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. And some of us sit in silence wanting it to be true, needing it to be true, wondering if it's true. Lord, we gather from so many places on a Sunday. And from each of those places, Lord, would you meet us? Would you meet us as we are, where we are, and then take us to the place you want us to be? As we gather around your word, Lord, meet us as we are and take us to the place you want us to be for the good of the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So there's that great moment as I was baptizing Boaz that I woke him up. (laughs) That's what I'm hoping happens today. Not just for Boaz. I want you to wake up. I'm, I, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm inviting you to follow Jesus. <laughs> I, w- I want you to commit your life to Christ today. Uh, it's not going to be all sawdusty, trail, Billy Grimish, but, but I do want you to commit your life to Jesus. At some point in your life, sooner, hopefully, than later, you're invited to make a decision to which you'll respond, I'm in, I'll go, I do. No, I get it, you're here, you're like, Pastor, I've been reciting the creed and saying the prayers for my whole life. I'm not demeaning or diminishing anything, but I am wondering, is there another area in your life you need to offer to the living God? Or maybe you just wandered in. Maybe you're not even sure why you're here, but you've got lots of questions, and the pastor starts talking about, I want you to follow Christ, and you're like, oh man, here we go. One of those churches is probably going to ask for my money too. In fact, I I will do that. (laughs) I want you to follow Jesus. There comes a, it's it's just an honest reality of the Christian story. At some point in your life, you say, I'm in. You don't have to have everything figured out. You don't have to have all the theological I's dotted and T's crossed, but you've got you to gotta wake up. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to come to the table today, and I want it to be for you an opportunity to say, I'm in. I'll go. I do. Maybe again. Maybe for the first time. And if it is the first time, I'd love to know, or maybe tell somebody so you can walk with. Uh, First, though, we're going to listen to a story. It's a true story. It's a good story. In some ways, it's an inspiring story. other ways, it's kind of an odd story. It's a violent story. I'm hoping it's a story that leads you by the hand to follow Christ. It's a story about a man named Elijah. 
there was famine in the land, there was no water, so there were no crops, so there was no food, and people were hungry, the circumstances were hard, and Elijah starts talking about God. Apparently, Elijah's a little less worried about food. He's, he, he's calling people to faith in God. So you listen to the story. Ahab sent to all the Israelites and assembled the prophets at Mount Carmel. Elijah then came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping about with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. The people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am the last prophet of the Lord. But the Baal prophets number 450. Let us receive two bulls. Choose one for yourselves, cut it in pieces, put it on the altar, but set no fire to it. I'll take the other one, prepare it, set it on the altar, but put no fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I'll call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers in fire is indeed God. And all of the people said, well spoken. So Elijah said to the Baal prophets, take a bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many. Then set it on the wood, but set no fire to it. And from early in the morning until noon, they cried out to Baal, Oh, Baal, answer us! And there was no voice. And there was no answer. They limped around the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah began to mock them, saying, cry aloud, surely he's a god. Either he is meditating, or he's wandered away, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he's fallen asleep, and someone needs to wake him up. At midday, as was their custom, they cut themselves with swords and lances, and blood gushed out over them. They went raving until midday, until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice, no answer, no response. Then Elijah came near to the people and said, Come near to me. And they came near to him. And he rebuilt the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. He took 12 stones according to the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And he, he rebuilt the altar to the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar large enough for two measures of seed. 
Then he took the wood and cut the bowl and put it on the wood. Then he said, fill four water jars and pour them on the burnt offering and on the altar. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the altar was running with water and the trench was full of water. At the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah came near and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, Israel, let it be known today that you are God, that I'm your servant, and I've done all these things at your bidding. Answer me, Lord. Answer me, that they may know that you're God, and you turned the people's hearts back. And a fire from the Lord fell and consumed the altar and the stone and the wood and the dust, even licked up the water that was in the trenches. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord indeed is God. The Lord indeed is God. And Elijah said, seize the Baal prophets. Do not let one of them escape. And they seized them, and he brought them down to the Wadi Kishon, and he killed them there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's 1 Kings 18. Yeah. <laughs> it's 1 Kings 18. I want to invite you to follow Jesus today. I want you to commit your life to Christ. I'm not going to go on terribly long. Uh, but you do kind of have to face the question Elijah asks. How long will you go limping with two different opinions? It's not really that people were walking around renouncing the God of Israel so much. They had just embraced all kinds of other things too. They were trying to be nice. They wanted to, be, they wanted to have meaningful relationship and nothing ruins a party like talk of religion. So hey, Baal, that's cool, man. That's cool. And their intent to be kind turned into idolatry. How long will you go limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. One of the things I love about the Old Testament, it, it, brings, it can bring so much clarity to what can be so murky in our lives. We don't worship Baal. That's so primitive. We don't need to worship Baal. We've got family. You can say whatever you want about God, but you pick on my family, I'm coming after you. Worship Baal. So primitive. We've got family. Am I, am I poking? All right, how about politics? There we go, isn't this a great Sunday? Let's talk politics. Is your political ideology shaped and formed by your Christian vision? Or is your Christian faith influenced by your political ideology? When was the last time you changed your mind because you were convicted by the gospel? We don't need bail. We've got politics. You know what I'm doing here? Since I'm ruining your Sunday morning, how about money? And I'm... I'm some of the wealthiest people I know are the most generous people I know. I'm talking about me. Do you know how many times I look at my online banking app in a day? And it's not because I'm worried about overdraft charges. 
I'm just worried. We don't need bail. We got money. How long will you go limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. I want you to follow. I want you to wake up. I want you to wake up. Just stop limping around. It's not good for you. Before you make the decision, though, a couple, couple of things I want you to follow Jesus because he's good. <laughs> I don't mean to be trite. I'm more in the way that C.S. Lewis has in mind when he's referring to Aslan. He's not safe, but he's good. I want you to follow Jesus because he's good. This whole Elijah duel takes place in a famine. There's no water, so there's no crops, so there's no food, and the people are hungry, and Elijah shows up, starts talking about God. And the, the Baal prophets, they, the 450 Baal prophets, they make their altar and they limp about. Isn't that ironic? They, they limped about the altar. They start cutting themselves and blood, they're just doing their worship thing. And there's no voice. No answer. No response. I mean, I, it's a turn for the better, I guess, in the story, but if you're the one begging and you're the one pleading, it's, it kind of breaks your heart, too. No voice, utter silence, nothing there, nothing happening, empty. When I graduated from college in 99, I was selected for a gap year. Some people choose a gap year. I was selected because <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing with my life. I applied to a volunteer program. It's kind of like AmeriCorps, only with a healthcare bent and a faith component. I was going to be out in Seattle, Washington, uh, caring for people dying of AIDS. And caring for people dying of AIDS in the 90s is a whole lot different than it is now. I went to a, a week-long orientation to this year-long AmeriCorps-type experience. And within the first couple of days, found myself incredibly uncomfortable with the way this organization was comporting itself. Felt like it would lack integrity for me to go forward, so I dropped out of the volunteer program after four days. <laughs> uh, came back to West Michigan to all of the support structures that are here for me. Family to encourage me, a job to work, and a cottage to rent. And there was no voice, no answer, no response. I found myself limping around for a year. I'd put all my eggs in the basket of family identity and academic achievement and professional trajectory, and they couldn't save me now. There was no voice, no answer, no response. And somewhere in the limping, the living God showed up. The living God met me and took me and brought me to a better place, a different place. Elijah makes the altar, begs, O oh Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, Israel, and fire from the Lord consumes the altar and the stone and the wood and the 
dust and even licks up the water that was in the trench. I want you to follow Jesus because he's good. And then the, the clouds come and the rains fall and the crops go and they're saved. Are you, are you with me? Are you hanging with me? I want you to follow Jesus because he's up to your challenge. I'm a little worried sometimes in, in, in the Christian church we're, we're afraid to ask questions of God. We're afraid to bring the challenge to God. Just recite our creed and call it good and bury everything. What if God can actually handle your challenge? Elijah doesn't seem too worried about protecting God. Let us take two bulls. Choose one for yourself. Cut it in pieces. Put it on the altar. But put no fire to it. I'll take the other bull. Prepare it. Put it on the wood, put no fire to it. You call on the name of the, your God, I'll call on the name of the Lord. The God who indeed answers by fire is indeed God. Elijah is not worried about protecting God from the challenge. You want a challenge? Let's go. God can handle your questions, God can handle your challenge. We love answers but are uncomfortable with questions. God can handle it. We've basically ignored or forgotten the lament tradition. Ours is the story that allows us to pray, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? He can handle your challenge. Ours is the Savior who cried out, my God, my God, why? He can handle the challenge. <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, someone... Uh, they took exception to a sermon that I preached. <laughs> I was reciting from the book of Romans. Um, we know that all things work together for good. Well, the person took the worship folder. He met me in, in an office somewhere, threw the worship folder down on the table, and said, explain this to me. I said, well, why don't you tell me some of your story? So he told me some of his story, laid it on the table. Explain it to me, pastor. All things work together for good. I, I, I don't even really think he wanted me to explain so much. Uh, so I kind of fumbled around for a little while, and I said something like, you know, God can handle your anger. You can bring your anger to God. And the person said to me, Will God mind if I swear? <laughs> Take two bulls. Choose one for yourselves. Cut it in pieces. Put it on the altar, but set no fire to it. I'll take the other one. Prepare it. Put it on the altar, but set no fire to it. You call on the name of your God. I'll call on the name of the Lord. The God who indeed responds by fire is indeed God. He can handle your challenge, He can take your pain. I want you to follow Jesus because he gave up his life for you. Man, I could start singing all these old hymns if you want me to. Jesus paid it all. I want you to follow Jesus because he gave his life for you. God took on flesh in Jesus Christ, suffered, died to forgive, rose to redeem. He gave his life for you so that the past you can't change doesn't get to define you forever. So the sadness that lingers doesn't linger always. 
So the prayers you can't pray get picked up by the Spirit, given to the Son, offered to the Father in size too deep for words. He, he gave his life for you. I love that moment Jenna was leading us through prayer, Psalm 51, and then said, who's in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. He gave up his life for you. Amen. I was in a conversation with a pastor friend of mine. Uh, we, we, we talk about you. We, we share stories about our congregations, try to help each other navigate the contours of pastoral ministry. Uh, he was telling me a story of a young teenage girl in his congregation. I want to offer it to you. I have his permission. Uh, she was asking all of the hard questions about God and faith, not really because she was just a curious learner, um, just so much pain. I don't know all the details, but her dad had taken his own life, and her life was then sent spiraling out of control. Uh, my pastor friend and his wife came alongside her, decided to walk the journey with her. Uh, they said, hey, let's, let's read some psalms and a gospel. They read the psalms because they're so honest. My eyes are filled with weeping. My pillow's soaked with tears. They read the Psalms because they're honest. And they, they read a gospel because where else would you go? So, so they're reading the gospel and they're, they're reading about Jesus and, and the, the denial and the betrayal and the arrest and the crucifixion and the death. They're reading about death. And then the resurrection. And she, she made the comment to my pastor friend, isn't that interesting? The resurrected Christ has scars, my friend thought it was interesting that she noticed that, so pressed her a little bit. Her response, and the reason I'm telling you her story, a God with scars is a God I can trust. A God with scars is a God I can trust. He gave up his life for you. I want you to follow Jesus today. He's got scars to prove just how deep and wide and unimaginable his love for you is. So as you come to the table, I'll let it be for you an opportunity to say, I'm in. I don't have it all figured out. Lots of I'm in. I'll go. I do. Maybe again. Maybe for the first time. Let's pray together.